On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking about how to integrate electric trucks into your fleet operations. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're joined by Brad Bain with 4Gen Logistics. And Brad and his team have recently dove in headfirst to the truck electrification game. So welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. So Brad and I met just a few weeks back in Scottsdale, Arizona. We were both invited to the heavy-duty trucking fleet innovators, which was a fun experience. Uh, got to meet a lot of really cool people, and, and Brad was on the stage, and he was telling their story or sharing their story about the, the journey to electrification. So, you know, I, I thought what was neat about it, Brad, was um, – your company was all in, man. They wanted to be one of the first, and they, they made a commitment to do it, so you guys dove into that. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what made that decision, and, and how did that all go, and how's it working out? <laughs> um, you know, we operate, 4Gen operates in California, so as many of you may know, that's a whole different beast when it comes to to regulation and what California's zero emissions uh, initiatives are, are pushing us towards. So we deal with an organization out there called uh, CARB, California Air Resources Board, and they have some pretty strict uh, timeline and mandates coming on board. We are a drayage company in and out of the ports of LA and Long Beach, and the effects there are even faster than maybe the rest of the state of California. Uh, as of January 1, 2024, you can no longer register anything but zero emission vehicles to enter the port of LA and Long Beach. So we're a few months away from that taking effect. So we saw the writing on the wall about three years ago, even before I joined the company uh, to come on and, and really push forward to a zero initiative effort, at least in the state of California. So that journey's been uh, a long one. We're still right in the middle of it, unfortunately, after three years. But uh, with the state kind of driving those mandates, we, um, our, our owner, David Duncan, is very much like to be on the cutting edge of new technology. So he's like, hey, let's, let's take this as an opportunity for us to get out in the forefront of this new push for zero emissions. And what does that need to look like? So. They started the process about three years ago. I'm two years into leading the initiative, uh, along with a counterpart that I have there in Los Angeles. And things are going along, I guess, as well as things can go along in the EV world right now. We're definitely fighting some struggles, uh, but it was really that initiative and our owner's desire to be on that cutting edge that kind of put us out there. and. Um, I can say this to you guys, we, we are want to be the first zero emission fleet, complete zero emission fleet by the end of 2025 is our goal. So we'll be at roughly 70 power units and be completely zero emission by the end of 2025 is what we're pushing for. Yeah, California has been uh, obviously super aggressive, kind of leading the pack uh, with the big electrification or zero emission push and stuff. So. Uh, I guess three years. So how long ago did you order electric trucks and, you know, did the OEMs even have them out three years ago? I'm not even sure how long they've been out on the market and available. Yes. I mean, certain ones did. We, we started our kind of our EV initiative with BYD as the OEM. 
they had some trucks out and available and they actually allowed us to they kind of gave us two of their first generation trucks just to try them so that's kind of how this all got started for us three years ago um ultimately the first generation kind of were a little underpowered and didn't really work for what we needed but then we moved into their generation two truck shortly after that and for about two and a half years we've been running three byds uh strictly in the ports of long beach and la in and out of the ports to our local yards okay. and they've been workhorses for us and they've performed well it sounds like huh yeah they have with very few you know maintenance issues and of course you don't have a lot of the other internal combustion maintenance things right. to deal with with the electric so it's been going pretty well for us yeah yeah no sensors like we got on the diesels right <laughs> although those headaches <laughs> headaches those create for sure so um it was three years long enough or was the state i mean they're really pushing it and it, you know if you guys are almost there how are the other companies out there in a similar position are they are they going to make it by 2024 or is there going to be issues? No, I think we're definitely up against some issues. Um, you know, right now we're, we're dealing with some issues across the board from OEM delays to charging infrastructure delays. Uh, I've been asked to speak at, on a lot of different conferences and webinars and the one thing i preach right now if you're looking to get into electric vehicles you should have probably started a while ago but you need to start today uh, because the process is very time consuming um, once again we're three years into it we had hoped to be live with 60 trucks and two sets of charging infrastructure by the end or the beginning of this year uh, and now we're going to push out into 2024 and uh, just based upon some delays we're dealing with, we're not exactly sure when it's going to end up, but we hope by, you know, early summer 2024, we have 60 plus electric vehicles in, in action in the state of California. So when you say dredge and you're moving uh, containers out of the ports over to your yard, is, is that the extent of what the electric vehicle is doing? Or is the vehicle actually, you know, are you taking it further than that and making any deliveries? Yeah, we... We kind of have two sets. We, we've partnered with a couple different OEMs, Kenworth and Volvo. Uh, our Kenworth trucks are what we consider a four battery unit uh, with a little less range. Okay. So we're using those trucks strictly in our port application where we're just in and out as many times as we can throughout a shift. We're a two shift operation and they stay right there local in our Long Beach yards. Uh, so we average about 40 to 50 miles a shift on those trucks because we're so close to the ports. Uh, and then with the Volvos, we selected them because they have a six battery packed with a range of more in the neighborhood of 175 to 225 miles, depending on conditions. Um, and those are the trucks that we're gonna use at our Inland Empire Depot in Rialto, California, that will do all our customer deliveries. Uh, our shifts and duty cycles are anywhere from 150 to 200 miles a day in those delivery patterns that we have with our local customers. So we think the VNRs uh, will fit our bill really well out there for those type of deliveries. You know, when you when you bring up electrification and, you, and we're talking in the industry, whether we're at a conference or whatever, I, I think the infrastructure is always the thing that pops up. Um, you know, most of us feel like the infrastructure isn't there, certainly for long haul applications uh, like I do. But talk a little bit about the infrastructure and, um, 
you know, what has that journey been like? It's you need so much power to charge these things. How do you get the power to your to your terminal? Uh, were you successful doing that? And what kind of obstacles have you run into? Yeah, I mean, the OEM day, delays have been frustrating, but the infrastructure side has been a whole nother beast. <laughs> um, you know, when you, you think about our infrastructure, just to talk a little bit about that, is our phase one in Long Beach at our yard there is going to have 30, 350 kilowatt chargers, high speed. Our Rialto yard phase one is 14 of those same chargers. So when you look at our power demand just for our phase one, uh, it's six or seven megawatts of power, which will provide enough power for about 30,000 homes. So we have a very large demand of power that we need. Uh, we got lucky that both of our locations right outside the property was the power was there on the pole. Many companies are finding that where they'd like to put their location just doesn't have the power they need and that adds a whole nother delay just for the utility companies to get power to the property we were lucky we had power at both sites we've been actively in this for over probably two and a half years and i don't have either one of my sites completed yet so uh, as california pushed these mandates down i think the utility companies were I wouldn't say necessarily caught off guard, but they hadn't dealt with large commercial projects like this. So they didn't really have the internal pieces in place. So we've been kind of learning along with them being an early adopter. Um, so that's been one of the struggles. So we are very close to having our um, Rialto location energized, hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, and then we have not even broke ground at our Long Beach yard and we're two and a half years into this. So it has been an absolute battle with many delays across many different parts of the process. So are the power companies, are, are they being a pretty good partner in this with you, realizing you have to work together to try to figure this out, or are you guys button heads? Uh, a little bit of both. I, yeah. I think we're finally getting to more of the partner phase and uh, early on. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it button heads. I just think they were trying to get their internal processes together to support this push. And it's huge. I mean, we're one company with 60 or 70 trucks and we need enough electricity to power 30,000 homes. Now let's compound that times right. 500 or a thousand companies who are going to need that same thing. So it's like, where's all the power going to come from? How are they going to price the power? How are we going to handle these upgrades? How can we do it in the timeline that the state is driving? So, I don't have anything bad to say specifically we deal with socal edison and i would like to say they've been a, a good partner but they've been facing some of the same obstacles we are uh from their internal processes right and they weren't ready for it either so uh, let's say you get to january 1 and and there's some things not where it needs to be i mean what is what is the state of california going to do is they, are they is there fines or you know how do they do you see anything changing i guess you know, I, I don't know about any of that, if there's any of that type of structure laid out. Um, you know, we, once again, we see this as an opportunity for us. We see it as uh, an opportunity because our customers, they have their, um, you know, their strategies going on and their initiatives around reducing emissions. So we're glad to kind of be a, a forerunner and partner with them to help them do that. 
but as far as it relates to, you know, what's that going to look like when we're not meeting those objectives? Um, I have my personal views on what it will look like. Um, but I think overall, ultimately, we got to be able to move containers in and out of the ports of LA and Long Beach for the whole commerce piece to happen. Um, I worry that sometimes we'll end up with not enough trucks to do that just based upon some of the timelines they have in place. Uh, when all of a sudden a diesel vehicle falls off the registry to enter the port, it's like, we'll be glad to pick that up and there'll be other companies there. But uh, I just sometimes worry that we're going to get into that cross section where there's not enough zero emission vehicles to handle all the volume that's coming in and out of the ports. You're right. I, th I mean, I see a, a bottleneck on the horizon probably just, just by listening to what you're saying. Now, is electric the only zero emission vehicle option out there right now? Or has anybody else got anything else that will qualify? No, there's, there's other things coming to market. Of course, you have the hydrogen battery electric vehicle that's coming that's going to extend the range. Um, you know, there's some, I've driven the Kenworth hydrogen vehicle. I've driven the Nikola hydrogen vehicle. Um, they're both options that are there, but the technology there is so new. And right now it's extremely expensive. Um, you know, a battery electric vehicle is two and a half to three times what a day cab diesel would cost you, where a hydrogen vehicle is probably in the four to five times range right now as far as cost. And then there's the whole piece with hydrogen. Is it readily available for you to purchase? Uh, which it is not and then if it was it's you know 10 to 15 bucks diesel equivalent for a gallon of hydrogen Holy smokes. so it's very expensive so you, you mentioned the electric trucks is two to three times uh, the cost of the diesel what what's the life expectancy or how do you ever get the payback or the return on that well, needless to say, we probably don't make this big jump into the world of electric vehicles without a lot of uh, help from the state of California. Okay. So we have funding called our HVIP program where uh, we get $150,000 per truck right off the top of the price of the truck. Okay. And then there's quite a bit of grant money available for us uh, within the state of California. Uh, so ultimately, we end up you know, with a purchase price, it's very similar to what a diesel is okay. after our rebates and grants. Otherwise, it's really hard. And I think that's a big struggle for a lot of the other companies right now that are in California that need to make this leap, you know, that five to 10 to 15 or 20 unit fleet. It's like, how do we afford to, to make this transition to battery electric? And and then you really need, we have a guy on the ground in California who manages his day to day with our relationships with the ports, the city of LA, the city of Long Beach does helps with all of our grants. And I don't know where I would be personally, or we would be as a company without him on the ground managing this ever changing uh, solution that's available in the state of California. I, I can only imagine. Um, it makes me think about you mentioned earlier that the electrics um, don't need as much service as the diesels and stuff, but what about, where do you take it to get it worked on when it does break? Who's certified to do that? Is it is it the OEM, all their techs are certified, or is that still kind of in the works too? You know, we've, we've kind of seen that evolve right along with us throughout this yeah, process. Um, you know, I think 
you know, my personal opinion is Volvo, they've been doing the electric thing in Europe for quite a while. So okay. I think maybe they've, they've been a little bit ahead of everyone else. Uh, Kenworth is very quickly caught up with training their technicians on the, the battery electric side. So I think we've kind of chosen a couple OEMs that I think are, are getting to where they need to be to support this big push. It's all still relatively new. I mean, there hasn't been any big, massive 100, 200 unit rollouts in the state of California that I'm aware of for any carriers. So as this whole process has very quickly evolved over the last two years, you know, we've seen the support of the OEMs. Uh, I guess kind of the, the interesting cool thing for me personally and for Forgen is just being able to provide a lot of information about how we would like that maintenance piece to work. You know, I don't want to have to run all 40 of my Volvos across the Inland Empire 10 miles to get a basic service. You know, can we get my technicians trained to do that basic service under the warranty that Volvo is offering for their VNRs? And they've been very receptive to that and uh, having an electric mobile unit to come out for some of that stuff. So we're not always having to pull our trucks back into the dealership to get them serviced. And Kenworth is working with us very closely on that piece of it too, as they get more technicians trained and how exactly that will look. And it's gonna be a requirement because fleets just can't afford to have that kind of downtime. So there's gotta be some give and take there to, to help speed up that basic maintenance process. What kind of items on the truck actually need service? Like you said, it's got a lot fewer moving parts than an internal combustion engine. So uh, obviously you probably got some grease and some things you need to do that way. But what else, for us guys that are new to this electric thing, what else is there to service on them? Really, you know, like you touched on, it's the basic grease points that a diesel would have as it relates to front end and rear end and uh, air systems. Um, the thing about battery trucks is they have three different um, kind of radiator systems on them, cooling systems on them. So that's a big kind of pre-check, pre-trip check thing every day for the drivers just to make sure that all those fluid levels are sound because keeping those batteries cool is extremely important so you don't end up with any type of thermal events. Um, so that's really going to be the biggest piece right there. There's not a lot of other things that um, we can maintenance. A lot of it is very computer driven. Um, you know, we teach the drivers very early on anything that is orange, do not touch because that's all <laughs> high voltage. <laughs> so, and the good news is most of that stuff is not visible to the drivers anyway. Um, but so that's really about it. I mean, there's not a lot, you're not, you know, checking your oil every day and doing those basic things you do in a pre-trip. Uh, it's really about fluid levels and, uh, just making sure some other things look like they're supposed to up under the hood. When you open the hood of an electric vehicle, if you haven't seen it and you were a layman that didn't really know, they set up that engine compartment to almost look like an engine, but oh. it's really just a whole bunch of electronics related to, to, you know, pushing the power where it needs to go for the truck. That's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to expect either. If it's uh, you got an extra trunk there or what, but uh, for sure. Um, is, is electric the, is it going to be the predominant long-term answer for zero emission? Or do you think some of these other technologies are going to catch up to electric? 
Yeah, I mean, I think electric is very specific in its use. Um, you know, I was on that call this morning, and they talked about it being that short to medium duty or short to medium route solution. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I, I even struggle with, I think of medium maybe being more of that four to 500 mile range than the, maybe what some people look at it. But for our, you know, our duty cycle, for our schedule, uh, for our routes, it works really well for us, you know, that under 225 miles a day. And we may still have to do some opportunity charging in there. I just can't picture until you can pull into a station and fuel in a very similar time to a diesel or a CNG truck that electric is a long ways away from having that true longer medium to long haul type solution um, because you just can't a driver's not going to be hip on pulling in for a two and a half hour recharge uh, for his batteries and that's what it is right now it's two and a half to four hours depending on what type of high-speed charging you're using so I think we're a ways off from that being the case uh, from that medium to long haul type scenario. And I think ultimately hydrogen will make a big play into the market, uh, which will extend that range. So uh, what that's going to look like, I'm not sure. It's really early on. And of course, most of this stuff is being driven behind a day cab solution. You know, they haven't even really tackled that whole sleeper long haul concept yet. And uh, all I can tell you from the hydrogen is it's hard to find. It's not easy to transport. Uh, it takes a lot of elect electricity to make hydrogen. Uh, you really want a clean solution. That means we're not making hydrogen from coal burning power plants. So that's right. a big talk in the industry right now on what that's going to look like. Uh, but I think ultimately the, the long term would have to center around probably some form of hydrogen. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, the, the long haul uh, applications and stuff you think about what today's truck stop looks like and, and what is that going to look like in the future and does that mean there would have to be a charging station in every parking spot uh, essentially because you're not going to have a, a, a charging island that you can pull through and, and fuel within 15 minutes or charge within 15 minutes so what does that have to look like um, you said earlier that you know as you guys are working through your local electric company you don't have the power you need yet at your facilities so how are you charging them now we were lucky that our one of our yards in long beach um, allowed us to set up six kind of temporary 30 kilowatt chargers okay uh, and we've been, we've been using those so right now we're running three byds seven kenworths and a volvo um, and we only run those on one shift so okay. we can we can split them up and when a truck's not in use it's being charged and, and vice versa when the guys are just kind of switching out so we're making that six charger system work for us until our main infrastructure is completed and then that current setup you have then how long does that take to charge a vehicle are you still doing it in the two and a half or four hour time frame yeah because once again we're only putting we're probably only using about 40 to 50 percent of battery life on the ones trucks okay. we're using so you're not, 40 or not 50 draining them all ship. the way down yeah yeah so we're take it still takes a few hours at 30 kilowatts but uh we have plenty of time to do that 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 makes that is really interesting because you think about 
uh, maybe companies that do the local haul and some things similar to you, where they slip seat trucks. You know, when you're thinking about a diesel truck, one guy's in it the first shift, and when he goes home, the second guy jumps in the same truck, and you, and you keep that same truck going. But there's a different challenge there if, if there's a four-hour charging window where you can't just keep slip seating probably. Yeah, that was definitely one of the big things we had to look at. We knew going in this was never going to be a one-to-one situation. Once again, we're a two-shift operation. We slip seat probably 70% of our diesels right now, uh, day to night shift drivers. Uh, coming in, we knew that wasn't going to be a possibility, so we kind of went about it with the mindset that we're going to need three trucks for every two drivers. Is kind of how we approached our electric initiative. And until we get all 60, 70 trucks going and running both shifts, it's really hard to know for sure if, if we were close to what we thought. Uh, we believe there will be some slip seating on some of our shorter days. We definitely know we have the ability to slip seat in our port operations because we're only using 40% battery charge and doing 40 or 50 mile uh, routes each day for each shift. So we know we have the ability to do it there, but our Inland Empire operation is a little different. We're going to have guys that really use that whole battery cycle during their shift. And it will need that two and a half, three and a half hours to charge. Uh, can we do some schedule adjustments, start early in one end and late on the other end so we can do some slip seating? We think we can. Uh, but until we truly get into it and see the day-to-day and how that's going to work, um, we'll have to kind of wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, this is uh, this has been an incredible conversation. I the, the probably one last question for you here before we wrap this segment up: How do you see this impacting the consumer? I mean, ultimately, uh, as truck lines, are we going to have to raise rates because we're, you know, being pushed towards this technology that's the cost of the equipment is quite a bit more. Uh, it, and at current levels, it's not quite as efficient, meaning how we use the equipment. Um, so we have to have three trucks for two drivers, uh, stuff like that. That's going to raise your cost to operate. So is the consumer going to ultimately end up paying for that through raised rates and things like that? I can't speak for how this is going to work for everyone's model. For us, we don't have any plans to really raise our rates right now. We've kind of done the modeling based upon our diesel fleet and that three to two ratio with an electric fleet. Uh, and we see it working for us without any sort of big rate increase to our customers. Uh, so I can't say that's gonna be the case for everyone else because it's probably not gonna be the case. I mean, ultimately, anytime you put a new technology out there uh, in the way that it's being done, that's, you know, three times the cost of traditional transportation. Uh, ultimately, the consumer is some way, shape or form going to pay a little bit in the end for the higher cost to move this transportation. I think the other thing that's kind of key for us is when you talk about the consumer is we're delivering to all these warehouses. And most people probably don't know in the state of California, they're under the same mandate to reduce emissions. So they're going to be fined if they're not doing certain things to reduce emissions. Luckily, one of the ways we can help them reduce that penalty that they have to pay is when they receive deliveries by electric trucks. So once again, another 
kind of advantage for those early adopters and for the rest of the, the state of California that will catch up is t getting deliveries from someone in a zero emission vehicle helps offset what they call their wear credits in the warehousing world in the state of California. So I, I like to say we're adding a little bit of benefit to maybe the consumer at the end is we're helping out these warehouses and these companies that aren't going to have to pay these hefty penalties for not doing their part to reduce emissions in the state of California. Yeah, and the warehouses are probably actively seeking the the truck lines that are like yourself and being aggressive and they want to work with you. You're going to become a preferred partner pretty fast if you weren't already, you yeah. know. Yes, we're already finding that. So, uh, we've got a lot of great customers that are excited about us being able to help them with that and we have a lot of new customers knocking on our door saying, "Hey, what's your capacity to come help us out here?" Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, and I, I can't thank you enough. I learned a ton. I'll probably have a gazillion more questions down the road, you know. Uh, it opens up a lot of things. But, man, thanks for joining us today on this episode of Driven Too Far. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review, and we'll see you on the next episode.